are starting our brand new series today called The Hard Truth, The Hard Truth. Um, now, there are a lot of hard truths in life that you've probably already learned. There are a lot of things that are just hard to, to understand and comprehend, but it's true and you know it. And here's some hard truths for you guys to, to, to wrestle with that you probably already know this. Um, everyone has a habit or, or something they're really good at. Maybe you're a really good musician. Maybe you are really good at a sport. Think of the thing that you're the best at. Think of that in your head, okay? You got that thing that you're the best at this thing, the thing that you're the best at. Uh, maybe you're really good at numbers. I don't know. Something. Got it? Everyone got that thing in their head that they're really good at? Here's a hard truth for you. There are so many people that are way better at that than you are. And, that's, and you're great at it, but there are so many people that are way better at that exact thing than you are. Um, I'm a drummer. I've played drums since I was in third grade. Um, there are so many people, and, I, and I'm, I'm halfway decent. There are so many people that are so much better than me at drums. Um, not only just like famous people like Dave Grohl or Neil Peart or those people, but like I have friends that are way better than me at that, and that's what I'm best at is drums, and there's so many people that are better. So no matter how good you are at something, there's someone that's better than you. That's a hard truth for you. Um, here's another one. You ready? Not everyone likes you. And here's the hard truth. Ready? Out of those people that don't like you, some of them have a good reason not to like you. <laughs> it's true, Right? Not everyone likes you, and some of them, they have valid reasons why they don't. Not everyone likes you. Um, here's another one that, that's hard for a lot of, especially me. You are not in full control. You know that, but we don't like that, right? We want to be in control, but we are not in full control. There's so many things that are outside of our control that we could not do anything to change. We are not in full control. You are not in full control. Here's one, that, and you guys are going to hate this one. You ready? Perfectly healthy people die every single day right? You, got, you guys are so excited you came to church this morning. Perfectly healthy people die every day. It just happens. And then here's one that, I don't know if this is really a hard truth, but this is something that like, I remember I was changing Brooklyn, my oldest daughter. I was changing her diaper a long time ago when she was in diapers. And this is, a, this is something that I thought about, and I was like, this is true, but it's pretty sad. Um, I was changing her diaper, and I said some kind of comment that one day you're going to be changing my diaper. That was the comment I said. And then I thought about it. He's like, you know what? Best case scenario, she will be changing my diaper one day. That's the best case. If she's not changing my diaper one day, that means that something went wrong halfway through. That's the best case scenario, that she's going to change my diaper one day. That, there are some hard truths in life. And throughout this series, throughout this series, one thing that, that we really want to wrestle with when it comes to these hard truths, which is important for you and important for me, is, is why we understand and believe these hard truths. Because here's what I know. When you ignore a hard truth, then you live in a nice lie. When you ignore a hard truth and you say, this is a truth that I have, I'm going to ignore it because I, I don't like it. It's too hard. I don't like the way, I don't like that response. When you ignore a hard truth, then you are willing to live in a nice lie. You're willing to say, you know what? I'm going to stay comfortable in the lie that I'm currently in. Erica and I, we have many talks about um, our relationship, and we have to deal with some hard talks. You're in relationships, you've all done this, right? Where you've had to sit with your partner, your, your spouse, your, your fiance, whoever, your, your boyfriend, girlfriend, and had hard talks about things that you're feeling, things that they're feeling, whatever. Some, some of these really hard talks. The reason why you're willing to do that is because it actually makes the relationship better because you're being able to open yourself up more to them. If you never had those hard talks, you'd live in a nice lie that was a fake relationship. It's what you would do. So when you ignore hard truths in life, you live in a nice lie, which none of us want to do. And some of us, that, that idea of when it comes to our relationships, we're doing that exact same thing when it comes to our relationship with God. 
that we're living under these false assumptions and we're ignoring these hard truths in order to live in the nice lie that we created about God, the God of the universe. When you ignore hard truths, you always live in a nice lie. So what do we do? When we think about the hard truths that Jesus talks about and the hard truths that the Bible talks about, if you've read it long enough, you read the Bible long enough, you will come across them and be like, I don't like this. This doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I don't know if I agree with this. Here are three options that you do when you face a hard truth when it comes to your walk with Jesus. Here's three options that you can do. Number one, you ignore them. Sam so is going to ignore it. Like it's, you know what? I don't get what, what this is trying to tell me, so I'm just going to pretend like it's not there. I'm just going to move right past it, and I don't, I read this, and it sounds like it's telling me this. I don't like it, so I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to move right on past it. You think, you know, what I don't know won't hurt me, so I'm just going to pretend like I don't know this truth, and I'm just going to move right past it. So sometimes we ignore it. Number two, here's the other thing we do. Number two, you disagree with it. There's a hard truth that you read in, in Scripture, or you see Jesus talk about. There's that hard truth, and you just say, you know what? I don't agree with that. I, I'm, I'm with all the other stuff, but I, that aspect of it, I'm not going to agree with that part. I don't like that. Now, here's one thing I want to make perfectly clear. Your views and your understanding of your walk with Jesus, that should be adapting and growing, and you should be challenging yourself. You should always be doing that. Um, My faith now looks a lot different than it was when I was in high school because I've challenged my faith, and it's matured is what it has done. There's nothing wrong with maturing your faith and trying to dig deeper and challenge yourself with some of those things. However, that doesn't mean that when we find something that we don't like because it does not make sense with the culture around us, it does not make sense with us, it does not mean that we say, you know what, I'm just not going to agree with that. Because here's what you're saying when you do that. You're saying, I don't agree with the God of the universe, what he's telling me in this. I think I know better. Which, think about that logically. It doesn't make any sense. Not only is that arrogant, but it's idiotic of us to do. So sometimes we have hard truths, we say, I disagree with it. I don't agree with that hard truth when it comes to my walk. Or the, or the last one, which is what we want to encourage you to do, is this. You apply them. You get that hard truth and you go, I, this doesn't make sense. And this is hard and this is not easy for me to do. And this is not easy in, in the world that I live in. But if this is what God's telling me to do, then I'm going to do it. Because he's the God of the universe. I'm going to apply it into my life. So throughout this series, this is a four-week series, part one today, we're going to talk about four different hard truths that we find through Jesus' uh, teachings and we find through, through the scriptures. Four hard truths that at times can be hard to rest with. And some of the things we're going to talk about, you've heard it. And maybe you've ignored them, maybe you disagree with them. Some of the things you maybe have never heard it, and you'll hear it and go, I don't know if I like that. But what we want to do as followers of Jesus, for those of you in the room that would say you're a follower of Jesus, what we want to do is we want to take those hard truths and we want to say, you know what, I'm going to apply this. Even though it's hard, I'm going to try to find a way to apply this because if God saved me, then I'm going to believe what he says because he's the one that's in control. Now, if you're here, this is your first time here, and, you're, and you would say you're not necessarily a, a Christian or you're, you're just kind of here checking out someone made you come or they promised you lunch. First off, I'm so glad you are here, and, if, and I encourage you, first off, to bring your friends that don't know anything about Jesus. There's invite cards on your chairs, little um, the, the Hard Truth series invite cards. There's more out there as well. But we want to encourage you to invite them. So if you're here and that's you, then you can take what I say and you can apply it if you want because I do think it will help you. But you don't have to do this. You don't because you didn't sign up for this. So what you can do, though, is that friend who made you come, you can make sure they do it because they're supposed to do it. And in fact, here's what I know about you anyways. You don't want someone to say you're a Christian, but then they, they just pick what they like and what they don't like. 
You don't want that anyways. If you're going to believe it, you got to believe it. You don't just believe the easy, convenient stuff. You don't want us to do that. So um, if that's you, then I'm so glad you were here. Hold your friend accountable. But if you were here and you would say, I am a follower of Jesus, then we need to take these hard truths and really try to figure out how we can apply them. Because we believe that the God of the universe knows better than we do the hard truth. So that's what we're going to do today. So today... I want to talk about something that's pretty foundational for this whole series, that if we are going to apply some of these hard truths, that we need to first get this hard truth. And the, and the thing we're going to wrestle with is, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Mark, Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 34. We're going to look at what does Jesus say it means to be a follower of Him. Because it's very, it's very crucial for us to understand that. And what's crazy about what this says is I've read this so many times, and I've had a lot of trouble with this because, I, first off, I didn't understand what it meant, number one. Number two, when I did, I didn't like what it meant, so I didn't want to do it. So for some of us, that when we, when we read this, we're going to feel the same way. But we need to take this and say, okay, if this is a hard truth. This is what Jesus has to do. We need to take it seriously. So Mark chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 34. Here's what Jesus says to the crowd. He says, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in His Father's glory with the holy angels. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 38. Here's what's pretty clear in this, especially that first, that first verse, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Here's what Jesus makes pretty clear in this, that there's a difference between a fan and a follower. There's a difference. There's a difference between a fan. A fan is not a follower. A fan is not a follower. I'm a fan of some things, and I'm a follower of other things. I am a follower of two sports teams. I'm a follower of the Ravens and the Orioles. They're my teams, okay? I'm a follower of them. I'm not fans of them. I'm followers of them. I'm, fan, I'm a fan of the Capitals, but I'm a follower of, the, of Ravens and Orioles. Let me explain the difference. The Orioles, no matter what they do, and they've tested it, no matter how terrible they are, I will always root for them. They can give a boatload of money to a guy named Chris Davis who has the worst possible career ever last, last year. Let a guy like Manny Machado walk, I'll still follow him. They can go 14 years of losing baseball, which they did, and I was still there. I will still follow them. And some of you, you started rooting for the Orioles around 2014 when they won their division for the first time. And you're like, oh, that's fun. No, not me. I've been rooting for them for a long time. And if they're bad for a long time after this, I'll still root for them because I'm a follower of the Orioles. The Capitals, on the other hand, I root for them. I was down there when they won the Stanley Cup in, in D.C., and it was nuts, and it was fun, but I haven't watched that game since. So I'm a fan of the Capitals, and, and if you're here and you're a follower of the Capitals, you would say, no, you don't deserve to root when they win, because I had to go through all the years they lost. See, that's the difference. For, for Orioles and Ravens, I, I follow them, and if they're bad, I'm still with them. Where a fan can come and go as they please. When things get really hard, they're out. When things are, are great, I'm back in. Hey, this is awesome. But when things are hard, they're out. A fan is not a follower. And some of us in the room, we're a fan of Jesus. We don't follow Jesus. Because the second it gets hard, we're out. The second life is not the way we thought it was going to be, we're out. 
The second we don't understand something, we're out. A fan is not a follower. Jesus makes that really clear. Let's look at verse 34 again. He says, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. They would come after me. That, what's actually crazy about this verse is that word come in the Greek and the word follow in the Greek are actually the same word. So it could really say, if you want to follow me, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me, which is kind of redundant, which is probably why they put come after me. So, so in the middle of this verse indicates how we follow Jesus. How we follow In the middle of this verse is how we do that. You must deny themselves, you must deny yourself, and take up your cross. Now, this always bothered me, and maybe it bothers some of you, because I look at this verse and I think, didn't Jesus already do this? Like, isn't that our, the whole point of our faith, is that Jesus came and I sinned and we all sinned, and so he took up his cross and he died on that cross because I couldn't pay for my own penalty, so he paid for the penalty for me, and now I can spend eternity with God because he went up on that cross for me. So why do I now have to do what Jesus already did? I mean, he did it for me. Why do I now have to do it? It's always bothered me. Like, Jesus, listen, I'm so thankful that you gave heaven to me. That, that, that's a possibility because of your sacrifice. But deny myself? Like, I'll take the heaven part, but I don't know if I want to die up on a cross too with you. I, I'm, I'll gladly let you do it for me, but I don't want to do it. You can just hear how hypocritical that sounds, right? You can just hear it. But it's something that bothered me. What does this look like? So what does this look like to deny yourself and to take up your cross? You deny yourself by taking up your cross. So now, first we have to see what does the cross represent. And the cross represents four things. Here's what the cross represents. Number one, it represents opposition. Back then, when you were put up on a cross, when you, were, when you had to go and deal with the cross, that means you were being officially opposed by the Roman government. That Rome was opposing you. That you had an enemy, and that was Rome, and they were going to take care of you. That means there was opposition. That you were being opposed by the Roman government. So the cross represents opposition. Number two, the cross represents shame. Shame. The cross was one of the most humiliating ways to die. It was. It was there was so much shame in that. So you would be up on a cross completely naked. People would throw stuff at you while you're up there, completely naked, dying. There was so much shame that they made sure was in there when you died on a cross. It was, there was so much. It was humiliating. So number two, shame. Number three, what does a cross represent? Suffering. They, the Roman government tried to make the most horrifying, most painful way for someone to die, and they came up with the cross. It was so much suffering. So you, you died from the cross by suffocating. That's actually how you died. So what you do when you were on this cross, when you were down like this, you would, your lungs would start to fill up, so you'd have to lift yourself up like that in order to breathe, which is so much pain because you're nailed to this cross. You have to lift yourself up like that. So much suffering. And if they got tired of you doing that for so long, because it can go hours, you doing that and staying alive, they would just break your legs. That way you couldn't lift yourself up and you would suffocate to death. That's what the cross was. So the cross represents suffering. And then the last one, don't get, don't get anyone wrong, the, the last one is death. When you went on a cross, that was the end of the game. It was over. Game over. You were going to die. It wasn't just to torture you. It was to kill you. That's what the cross represents. And Jesus says, you need to pick up your cross, which represents opposition, shame, suffering, and death. Self-denial means these things. So here's what Jesus is asking you. If you want to follow me, here's what I want to ask you. Are you willing to be opposed for me? 
Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to be opposed for me? See, our culture is opposition. That's what our culture is. Our culture is opposition. And, and I don't say that just to be like, hey, like, I know what sometimes you say that, you think like there's different camps. Like, I'm not a big fan of like secular music and Christian, like whatever. I don't, I don't like any of that stuff, okay? So I'm not saying it for that reason. I'm not saying it for that reason. Here's what I'm saying. Culture tells us that whatever you want to do, whatever makes you happy, you should do that. And Jesus says the complete opposite. Don't do whatever makes you happy because at the end of the day, it's going to trap you. So are you willing to be opposed for me? Are you willing to be opposed for me? That's what Jesus is asking. Next question he's asking you, are you willing to endure shame for me? Are you willing to endure it? Are you willing to have shame in your life because you follow me? Are you willing to endure shame? People are going to think you are foolish for what you believe. Are you willing to deal with that? That's what it's going to take. Um, I'm a pastor, and if you ever want to completely stop a conversation with a stranger, tell them you're a pastor, okay? Here's what always happens. I'll be, I'll be somewhere, and someone will start talking, and we'll start talking about stuff, and they'll just talk however they want to talk, and they, they may cuss, they may do certain things. Then all of a sudden, the second they say, hey, what do you do? I know what's going to happen. Okay, all right, I'm going to tell them. Hey, so I'm a pastor. And here's three things that happen whenever I tell someone I'm a pastor. They either immediately apologize. Uh, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I go to church every once in a while. Like they always need to feel like they need to tell me something. They, so they always apologize to me. Number two, sometimes they'll, they'll, just, they'll just try to ignore, they'll just go, oh, and they'll just slowly walk away. Oh, you're a pa- Okay, cool. Well, I got a, my phone's ringing. Like they, I've had people walk away from me because of it. There, and there's a little bit of, for me, and I, I'm a pastor, I'm going to be honest with you guys, there's times where it's a little embarrassing for me because I don't want that to happen. I don't want someone to all of a sudden be shut out from a conversation. I know it's going to happen. And then I have friends of mine who, um, they'll tell me about their Sundays. Their Sundays, they go to brunch. They, like, will go down to Ravens game early, and they'll tell me, like, you, every Sunday you're at church because brunch is awesome. You ever been to brunch? Like, I've had friends tell me that. There is some shame. Are you willing to endure shame for the sake of Jesus? Because Jesus says, if you're going to take up your cross, that's what you have to do. He asks you this, are you willing to suffer for my sake? Are you willing to suffer for my sake? Are you? Because there's going to be suffering. There's going to be suffering. Are you willing to suffer for my sake? Because we get this idea that, and I don't know why we get this idea, but we get this idea that that, that Jesus, when we follow Jesus, that things are going to be great, that life's going to be great. But Jesus never told us that. Jesus, in fact, promised us that because of me, life's not going to be great. I promise you one thing. In this, in this world, you will have trouble. I don't know why we think when we start following Jesus, everything's going to be great. I don't know why we think that. So he says, are you willing to endure suffering for my sake? Are you willing to follow me, but yet still your life not, might not turn out the way you wanted it to? And you might think, well, God, I'm following you. Why, why is that happening? Are you willing to endure suffering for my sake? And then the next question, Dave, you, you can move on. Next questions. Sorry. Are you willing to die for me? Are you willing to die for me? That's what he's asking you. Now, I don't necessarily mean like, lit- like legitimately die, but it might be. There's a place in this world that you might have to die. But I more mean die to yourself for him. Are you willing to die for my sake? Are you willing to do that? And if the answer is no to any of these questions, Jesus says, hey, listen, if the answer is no, you can go follow someone else. 
Because if you want to follow me, this is what it's going to take. Because this is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. I'm about to pick up my cross and do this. So if you want to follow me, you want to be a fan of me, fine. You want to follow me, I'm going up there with that cross. So are you willing to do that as well? And this, this actually starts to introduce the paradox of, of self-denial. Because here's what self-denial is. We see opposition, we see suffering, we see shame, we see death. We all say, we don't want that, right? Everyone in this room would say, we don't want that. That's our self saying, we don't want that. Self-denial means that self that doesn't want that, we say no to that self. We say no to that. We're going to deny ourselves, and in order to take up our cross, we have to get rid of that self. That basically means that there's two selves. There's one self here that says, I don't want opposition ever. I don't want shame ever. I don't want to suffer ever, and I don't want to die. I don't want any of that stuff. So our new self, our new self in Christ, our brand new creation says no to that self. We are willing to do that and take up that cross. It's a paradox. Here's what St. Augustine actually says. I love this, this quote. I'm going to read it slow. It's a little confusing. If you love your soul, there is danger of it being destroyed. Therefore, you may not love it, since you do not want it to be destroyed. But in not wanting it to be destroyed, you love it. You guys with me? You guys are all confused, right? Right? If you love your soul, there is danger of it being destroyed. Therefore, you may not love it, since you do not want it to be destroyed. But in not wanting it to be destroyed... You love it. Let me explain it this way. If you're constantly giving in to your own selfish needs, you're going to destroy your life. You're going to. So if you actually love your life, you're going to say no to what your life wants. It's a paradox. Here's how Jesus says it in verse 35. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Whoever wants to save their life, you know what saving their life means? Say, nope, I'm not taking my cross. I'm not doing that cross. I'm avoiding the cross. That's what saving your life means. And when you do that, you're going to lose it because it's going to be about you. Jesus says, if you're willing to lose your life, you're willing to pick up that cross and follow me, then you will save it. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. So the question we need to ask is this. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Are you a fan or are you a follower? What is it for you? And some of you might be in this room might be thinking, after this sermon, I don't want to be a follower. Why would I willingly face opposition, suffering, shame, and death? Why would I do that? I don't know if I want to be a follower, and I get that. Here's why I think you should be a follower. Because the cross isn't the end of the story. It didn't stop there. There's more after the cross. There's more after it. See, when you pray to, to Jesus and when you pray to God and when you go through opposition, shame, suffering, and death, which all of us are going to go through, Jesus can look at you and say, I know how you feel. He doesn't have sympathy for you. He has empathy because he went through all of it just like you did. So we have a God who understands your pain and your suffering in this world and understands the feelings that we don't like. He understands it because he went through it. But then Three days later, after he took himself on a cross and after he died on that cross, three days later, he came back to life to show that this is not the end of the story, that all this stuff, opposition, shame, suffering, and death, that's not the end of your story and it's not the end of my story because three days later, he came back to life and hundreds of people witnessed Jesus die, come back to life. There's a group of people, the disciples, who all disbanded. When Jesus died, they all 
got in a huddle and said, what are we going to do about this now? Because the guy who we've been following is now dead. What are we going to do? Nobody was at the grave. And then three days later, when he came back to life, all his disciples who were ready to go somewhere else, who were ready to start another job, who were trying to figure out their next plan, all of those people died for their faith because they saw this man take his cross and die on a cross, but then come back to life. That's who we follow. Why do we follow Jesus? Because of what he did on the cross and because he defeated the cross and he defeated death, we now have hope. We now have a hope in this world that we cannot find anywhere else. We now have hope through Jesus Christ who came back to life three days later. Resurrection gives us hope. So our main point today is this. Jesus died for you so that you could die to you. Jesus died for you so that you could die to you. Jesus calls us. You want to follow me? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. It's going to mean opposition, shame, suffering, and death. Take it up and take it with me. I'm about to die. But since he died for you and for me, for everything that we've done wrong, for all of our sins, we can now die to us. He died for you so you didn't have to be chained to your selfish desires and your sin and be trapped in, in yourself, but actually be let go and free. I'm going to close with this. I have a little analogy for you guys. For a lot of us, yikes, almost died, guys. No one cared. For a lot of us, when we live for ourselves, this is what we're living for. Chains. This is a lot heavier than I thought it was. <laughs> See, when because of our sin, because of our shame, because of what we've done wrong, all of us have done that, because of that, we chain ourselves up. One little thing becomes a habit, and that habit becomes a choice. And all of a sudden, before you know it, we have chained ourselves up because of our own selfish desires. That's what we all do. And, we, and we, we're sitting there and we're chained. And when Jesus came and died on a cross and rose again, when you accept Jesus into your life, he unlocks these chains for you. He unlocks it so you can take it off. But here's what some of us do. And we're not willing to take up our cross, and we're not willing to deny ourselves and die to ourselves. And we're not willing to do that. Here's what he's doing. It's like us saying, hey, Jesus, thank you so much for um, unlocking these chains for me, but I kind of like it. I know I can get out of it, but I mean, I'm used to it now. You know what? I mean, it's not that heavy anymore. No, I don't, I don't even know what I would do if I had these off. I, I, I'm just so used to this. I'm just going to keep these on forever. When we decide we're not going to take up our cross, when we decide that we're not going to deny ourselves, what we're deciding to do is say, Jesus, I thank you for unlocking this for me, but I'm going to keep, I'm going to hold on to these. So I kind of like it now. Where Jesus says, no, deny yourself. Denying yourself is taking off these chains. Denying yourself is getting rid of these. Because Jesus already unlocked it for you. Why would you go around with chains on you when Jesus said, get out of your chains? Why would we do that? So when Jesus says to take up your cross, to deny yourself, he says, this chain that I unlocked for you, get rid of it. Throw it out. It's done. I freed you from that. Why would you allow me to get you out of jail and then you stay in jail? Your sins are going to trap you. 
Jesus, when Jesus tells us to do things, it's not because he's telling us to do things because he wants us to not live a fun life. He knows what's best for us. And he knows that if we decide to go with our selfish desires and what our culture says, hey, do whatever you want to do, it's us wrapping ourselves up with chains. But when we finally say, I'm going to live life for you, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to get rid of these chains, then we're finally free. Jesus paid so you can take your chains off. Don't keep them on. So here's what I'm going to do as I, as I close and the worship team comes up. We're going to do something a, a little different uh, today. We're going to do this a little different. It's, while the worship team is playing our closing song, and um, this is going to be our theme song for this whole series, we have this chain up here. This chain represents our selfish desires. This chain represents our sin that traps us. And for some of us, we haven't been willing to take our chains off. We've been holding on to those chains. We've been just wrapped around in these chains for a long time. And we're, we've been a fan of Jesus, but we haven't followed Jesus yet. For some of us, there's something in our life, a habit. There is a, a, an addiction, a way of thinking that we keep holding on to, that we're not willing to let go of. Maybe for you, it, it's a habit that's gotten out of hand. Maybe for you, it's, it's, it's different selfish desires that you have. Maybe it's things that you aren't willing to let go of. Maybe it's a sense of control. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's something you're addicted to. Maybe it's, it's drinking. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's, maybe it's pornography. Maybe that's something that you're struggling with. But Jesus freed you from those chains. So today, I want you to get them off. So as this song, as we play this closing song, up here up to this table, there's some pieces of paper with string on them. So if you're willing to follow Jesus, not just be a fan, but there's that thing, that chain that's holding you down. Today, I want you to take them off. So whatever that is, I want you to write it on there and walk up to this chain and tie it to this chain to represent that you are taking it off. You're done holding it. You're done keeping it on there. You're done allowing Jesus to unlock it for you, but you're going to just hold it forever because you're comfortable with it. This is self-denial. This is taking up our cross. And the reason we do this is because Jesus died on a cross and came back to life three days later, and he freed us from these chains. So as the worship team plays this closing song, I want, you to, I want to invite you to come on up if you're comfortable. You don't have to. And write whatever it is, that, those chains you want to get off, those things that you want to get off, those habits that you want to get rid of, those desires you want to get rid of. Write it on those, on a piece of paper and put it on these chains to represent, to reflect what Jesus did for you. Let's take some time to do that now.